Hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and today we are heading back to Wakanda. That's right. We're talking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever and the latest uh, installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I had the opportunity to see a press screening earlier this week, courtesy of my friends at Ally Global Marketing. But by the time you listen to this, you will probably have already seen the movie and as it's already out. So um, I'm I'm going to share some uh, thoughts with you about the movie. And uh, I, I think we'll do a, a non-spoiler section because uh, it is open weekend and then um i'll i'll have some uh uh, spoiler uh thoughts for you uh at the end so i guess let's just start with uh my my initial thoughts i like the movie quite a lot and i liked it in a way that i was not anticipating and I, I guess I have to to kind of couch that and qualify that a couple few different ways, um, I, and I guess going going into uh, our first topic, you know, who is this for? You know, I, I try to start these reviews with who is this for, and to answer that, I think I would need to explore some of my. Uh, hesitation or reluctance going into this movie up to and including the day of the screening. You may have seen me uh, post a tweet uh, talking about the runtime. I was really anticipating that being a huge hang up. And I had thought that I had my review um, or not, not my review, but basically like I, I've talked about this before, but, uh, through my work, we have a, a partnership with a promotion company, uh, that invites us out to press screenings for the movie. And the, the transaction of that is that after you see the movie, you talk to the nice lady with the, with the clipboard And they ask you for some brief thoughts, maybe a sentence or two or a couple uh, just nibbles or bites. And uh, so, yeah, not not a fleshed out review, but just kind of like a quick. What did you think? Now, as you know, me, brevity is not my first best strength. So. Fortunately, with these comic book movies, I get to like sit through the credits and kind of uh, com- compose my thoughts and consolidate and kind of really give some thoughts to what I'm going to tell Nice Lady uh, when uh, when I get out of the screening. Um, because, you know, I, I, I don't want to ramble and waste people's time. And usually, like, I'm in line with, like, other uh, uh, critics and folks that have uh, seen the movie as well. So I try to be economical uh, with that. But I will say that because of my process, sometimes I have a preconceived notion of what I'm going to say and then kind of wait for the movie to qualify that or to match what I'm going to say, you know, a confirmation bias type of thing. I, I you know, I'll freely admit that to you. I, I'm not above uh, confirmation bias. You know, it's like I, I will have a narrative of what I think my take is. And then sometimes I leave it up to 
the movie to change my mind. And this movie Wakanda forever is certainly one of those cases, but, but let me, let me explain a little more, um, what I'm talking about. I felt even from the first trailer in terms of like expectations, I wasn't sure what, what this movie was going to be because in my opinion, it needs to do a bunch of different things. And even from the the trailers, it felt to me like this movie was going to be very crowded. Um, and once I saw the bloated two hour and forty one minute runtime, I thought what I was going to tell Nice Lady with the clipboard is that it's overstuffed, overcrowded, messy, and that runtime is oppressive. Um, so that, that's, that's the chip on my shoulder that I walked into this movie with. Now to talk about Wakanda forever, we, we have to kind of talk about the legacy of Black Panther and the legacy of Chadwick Boseman and that it's, um, inexorably linked. You, you cannot separate, uh, the two and, this movie had to live up to a lot of legacy and I man I I love Ryan Coogler's work uh both his writing and his directing and if there was anybody that was up to this task it was going to be him you know to um honor the legacy of Chadwick Boseman but also deliver not just a good movie but an important movie and that that's the thing with this character, this cast, and and the legacy of Black Panther, because first of all, it it, it is a follow up to a movie that was incredibly important to an entire community. Um it, it's it's no small thing to underscore the importance not just Black Panther as as a movie but as a successful movie that movie is a statement and and it's an important statement with uh, you know with regards to uh, diversity and inclusion and um, what that movie means um I I remember, Back in, I want to say it was like 2015, where Marvel had, I think this was maybe like one of their first events like this, where they put up like the slate, um, and I don't think it was connected to like a Comic-Con or something like that, but like they had rented a hall and just had like a Marvel reveal event, and it, and it was the one where they revealed uh, upcoming slate of movies, including uh, Captain Marvel, uh, the Inhumans, back when that was going to be a movie, uh, the upcoming Captain America sequel, which they they bait and switched. They first said it was going to be Serpent Society, which incidentally I would still love a Mark Gruenwald uh, inspired Captain America Serpent Society movie. I think I think that would uh, I think that would rule actually. But the other movie that they they revealed was uh, Black Panther, 
And I was very excited about that because I I like the character of Black Panther quite a bit. He's he's Batman, but he's also the ruler of the most technologically advanced uh, nation on the earth. And it's um, so so it's a really, really cool character. Um, I, I will admit that I am not a expert or student of Black Panther lore. Uh, it, it's a character that I've dipped in and out of. Um, for whatever reason that I I, I can't articulate now, um, it, it's a character that I never really stick with. Like uh, when the, uh, the Marvel Knight series and the early 2000s hit you know with a with a written by priest and with art by a uh, uh, mark tessera um love that run up until i didn't and i that just kind of slowly dropped it and then later on uh years later there there was another run uh written by uh, reggie headland um and with uh, art by john romita jr and i i remember being into that run in a in a big bad way up until i wasn't so i i've I, i've picked up and put down uh black panther comics so so i i am i am not a a specific expert and i i talked about this in a in a different episode recently where um i haven't read comics from the big two marvel dc or really even any mainstream comics i mean i mean christ i don't even get saga anymore um but you know i I, i'm off comics basically and so now what's happening in these movies uh especially the mcu it is now starting to move into territory that draws on material that I don't know. So it's, uh, I, I think, and I'm kind of getting to the, like the tail end of it because it, it feels like that we're glancing up against the Jonathan Hickman Avengers stuff. And that, that is where I just, I, I just noped right out of that way too dense for my taste. Um, but anyway, it's, it's, I, I've always had a tremendous affection for the black Panther character and uh, speaking of that, that Captain America sequel that became Civil War, that's where we first see um, uh, T'Challa on the scene. And I, I remember, um, well, I remember a few things. First, uh, going back to my story about seeing the slate, I remember being very evangelical uh, to my friends at the time. Um, I was at KGRG at uh, Green River College, and I was like, you guys don't understand. This movie is going to be special. And this was before anybody was even attached to it. Like, I, I don't think uh, Kugler was attached as director, and certainly uh, Chad Bozeman hadn't been cast, but I was just like, nah, nah, you don't understand. Black Panther is a cool character. The, the, this is, this is going to be... Uh, th- this is going to be something special. And I use that phrasing that way. I-, I knew it was going to be special. I didn't know it was going to be important. Um, And so in the lead up to Captain America Civil War, you know, it's like, you know, y- you have you have the, you know, a uh, 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 partisan tribalism. You know, are you are you team cap? Are you team Iron Man? And I remember I was doing a, a interview with uh, Kyle Stevens of Kirby Crackle. We, we were talking about like I think he had just uh, uh, released a new album and he had asked me. Um, he's like, well, let me ask, are, are you, are you a team cap or are you team Iron Man? And I go, 
dude, brother, I, I am Team Black Panther. Uh, because at that point, we knew that uh, that T'Challa was going to play an integral part in that movie and and it was great i mean i mean just just seeing that representation of that character on screen was was i mean just the suit it's just like um it 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 it, uh, it, it met all of my expectations um and and then the the black panther movie comes out and it is a um it's it, it's an incredible cultural cultural moment uh, for uh, for so many reasons, which I I, I might uh, um, circle back around and and, and touch on uh, as I go here, um, but th- then it becomes what's next. You know, uh, uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, uh, appears a, a couple more times. Uh, you know, he reprises in in the uh, Avengers sequels. Um, is one of the characters that that is uh, the victim of the blip, uh, the Thanos snap. Um, so, so that character kind of disappears for, for a stretch of story time. Um, but the sequel to Black Panther was almost immediately greenlit and work, uh, started on it almost immediately. And, um, and, and then in 2020, um, Chad Bozeman gets sick and tragically passes away from, a, a colon cancer. And, then it then it becomes what's next you know what you know how 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 do you honor the legacy of not just this uh this actor this performer that has uh, tragically passed but also where does that leave this character that has so much story left to tell we've barely got to know uh, T'Challa uh, between his uh, various appearances you know it was like it was just getting started and um, so you know a, a, a tremendous loss in so many ways um, so as, as I understand it basically like Coogler had a sequel that um, that that was pretty far along uh, prior to uh, Chadwick's passing passing and then obviously you you have to go back to formula you have to go all the way back to the the drawing board and they did uh went went back to ground and uh created the uh the story we're talking about here today Wakanda Forever and it's um it's very interesting because this movie needs to do a lot of things and like i said my expectations like to to me it feels like it's like um like it was going to be three different movies you know it's like you have um you know you you have to deal with um how you incorporate the actor's true passing um and and the effect on the character and and the universe uh but then also it's the latest installment in the marvel cinematic universe um you know it's the latest episode so you you have to you know do something story wise and you know you have to move the needle and propel things forward in a certain way and you have to introduce you know a, a, another new slate of characters as well so it has has a lot of heavy lifting to do and i didn't think the movie was going to be up to the task and i was um um i, I was very uh, pleasantly surprised so that's that's some of the baggage 
that I had uh, uh, going in, and, and especially with like each increasing development. It's like, okay, so you have um, Namor and you know the Submariner, and you have the Atlanteans, and you have Ironheart, and it's you know it's like you you just keep adding all these extra spokes to the wheel, where the world of Wakanda. And the cast of Black Panther is already pretty big um, and with, with a lot of terrific standouts. So it's again, um, I really felt like there, there, there was the potential for it to um, be crowded. So I, I guess I, I guess from there that, that that's kind of a, a combination of uh well, I, I didn't even really give my, my initial thoughts and I didn't really address who is this for. Um, because like th- this needs to be for a number of people. It has to be a worthy sequel to a movie that was so culturally important. It also has to honor the legacy of uh, Chadwick Boseman who tragically passed away. And then it also needs to be a satisfying episode in the MCU. There we go. There, there, we did it. That, that's, that's what I was fumbling around in the dark, trying to, trying to figure out, um, uh, what to say. So, so it's for all three of those people. And with a two hour and 41 minute runtime, I really thought it was going to try to do all three of those things, um, all at the same time, and it was going to be a overlong, crowded mess. Um, so I I, I want to, well, you know, and and since I I'm here in the uh, the non spoiler section, um, I I do kind of want to talk about my my theater going experience. Um, I I uh, we saw it in IMAX. But it's kind of like the the Cineplex IMAX. You know, we saw it at the local AMC theater. So you have, yeah. I mean, the screen is bigger for sure. Um, the the sound though was uh, was phenomenal. That that was really the thing. They they really um, uh, cranked up the the sound there. But um, it's it's fascinating to me. I I had mentioned that you know I. I am a comic book fan and I know a little about a lot or a lot about a little depending upon, but, uh, but I, I can't, I can't necessarily quote you chapter and verse. And as more time passes, my, my XP, uh, with, with regards to, uh, comics, uh, fades and softens. Um, but I, I'm reminded that these movies, the MCU, is a lot of people's introduction to these characters and concepts. For example, um, uh, the guy I went with uh, brought his son with him. Uh, he's, he's around 14, uh, if I remember correctly. And, you know, in, in the posters... And I think the toys and and the you know it basically it's it's not a mystery or a spoiler that Namor is part of this movie and that he's essentially set up as the primary antagonist. So so the the kid asked me the fourteen year old he's like who's the villain in this I'm like I'm pretty sure they're setting it up to be Namor. Um and uh the the guy I was with the dad he's like I don't even know who that is. You know, so, you know, depending upon what 
one's um, literacy with the Marvel comics is there's a generation of folks that have no idea who Namor the Submariner is. And I uh, it, it was it was interesting because like I, I wasn't trying to mansplain and I wasn't trying to gatekeep, but I, I kind of like firmed my tone a little bit. I'm like, well, you know, uh, Namor is one of the first Marvel characters. In fact, he is in Marvel Comics number one. Um, so he's he he's one of the first. And I mean, technically, he's not the first um, and only and, the, and I only say that because the Human Torch is on the cover of Marvel Comics number one. If uh, Submariner had been uh, the star of the cover, then I probably would have said he was the first character. Uh, but anyway, I was like, yeah. So you know, Marvel Comics number one in in 1939. You know, he he was there, and um, uh, the kid, the 14 year old, uh, says, well, no, the uh, the Fantastic Four was the was the first. Uh, Marvel characters and I and I, I was like no uh, Fantastic Four came out in 1963 Marvel Comics number one was published in 1939 um, and, and and it's interesting because like as as I as I shared that observation with uh, some of my other friends it's been like well yes that is true but technically that that was like you know timely comics or atlas comics or or what whatever it was um but th- that was the name of the comics magazine the anthology was called marvel comics it wasn't actually like marvel comics the way that we know it today that came later in a um in a in the 60s with with stanley and jack kirby and starting with the Fantastic Four. So, yeah, so basically Fantastic Four is a hit. Spider-Man is a hit. And, uh, you know, X-Men, Avengers, and all that. And then so old Stan, you know, Stan Lee with uh, um, always wanting to recycle old concepts says, hey, true believers, let's uh, let's dust off some of these old crustos from World War II. And, um, and so, yeah, so th- that's that's how you get uh, Submariner and Captain America and and uh, uh, the Fantastic Four version of the Human Torch and, and and all that. So it is kind of interesting. Like like I thought I was pretty right uh, the first time around, but uh, upon closer uh, reflection, I, I think the boy was kind of right as well. So um, I, I guess I, I guess it's one of those things where where we can say that we are uh, both right. So the uh, since it's a press screening, it's uh, it's the it's kind of non-traditional. More often than not, the movie just starts like there there's no pomp and circumstance there there's there's no nothing um you know no uh, no Nicole Kidman uh, sitting in a lonely theater by herself or any of that other stuff and there's generally no trailers so the um the the house lights go down when it's time to start the movie and you see the green a uh, banner of you know the trailer uh, approved by the MPAA, and I'm like, I I made a nuisance of myself. I was like, come on, this movie's already two hours and forty one minutes. Let's go. To which I I got 
a couple chuckles, but not a uh, <laughs> not a lot of reaction to that. Um, because, like, I mean, again, I've, I talked about this when when I've been on Unfunny Nerd Tangent with uh, with Greg and the and the gang, and they really felt that my negative review of Eternals is specifically because of my movie going experience after I got off work and they're not specifically wrong and as I said I I went into this with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder I'm like two hours and 41 minutes it's seven o'clock right after I get off work good lord um so I I was I I was I was dreading it I was groaning um and then so they they run two trailers one for the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which um, I've, I have not seen that trailer on the big screen before. Um, so getting a uh, better look at Jonathan Majors as Kang. Um, I, I love Kang. And, and it's, man, it's especially uh, kind of bittersweet and heartbreaking uh, with the uh, recent passing of uh, comic book artist and illustrator Carlos Pacheco. And he uh, he was the artist on a book with writer Kurt Busiek called Avengers Forever. And that that has one of my favorite versions of Kang in it. And it it really kind of between Kurt Busiek's writing and and the way that that Carlos Pacheco drew him um, re- really put that character kind of like in, in, in a top top tier um it's like I, I i you know obviously i don't have the the comics in front of me but like you know the you know he would say like oh and he crooks his fingers and calls forth weaponry from from a you know different dimension or different timeline or whatever and just comes out with like these big uh, you know hurricane space machine guns and stuff like that um uh, very very cool i i um but th- th- that was kind of in my mind when i when i when you see those uh flashes of kang um in that quantum mania trailer so but i mean it's it's the the latest mcu movie and it makes sense that they kind of show it uh trailer looks cool movie looks aggressively okay um it's uh I'll be very interested to see. I, I I don't know where the MCU is even going. Apparently, uh this movie Wakanda Forever is supposed to be the the conclusion of phase 4. Um I guess if you say so. <laughs> um but no, um but then they show a trailer for the new Avatar movie. The uh, the the Way of the Water, Avatar the Way of the Water. And um it has a lot of blue people in the water and it's it's interesting to me that this movie Wakanda Forever also has a lot of blue people in the water and i i don't i i doubt that's a well i mean it has to be a coincidence right um cuz like i i had uh, i had this weird shower thought this morning where like you know how odd is it that you have a movie called black panther in theaters at as the same time as a movie called black adam um is like is it is it like in the late 90s when there were like two volcano movies at the same time um or like when there were two asteroid movies um, in theaters at the same time. Uh, now you have like uh, two movies that both have black in the title. Uh, 
one of the characters is more black than the other. Um, but then you have on the other side, two movies with blue people in the water. Um, very odd. I'm sure none of that is is connected uh, whatsoever. But it also occurred to me that what's Disney going to do? Sue themselves? Uh, because it's a uh, it's it's a uh, inherited from 20th Century Fox. It's all it's all it's all Disney, baby. So I I don't know. I just I I just find the thing very odd. And I would have thought it would have been especially interesting had the Aquaman sequel not been delayed. That was originally supposed to come out in like like December. So think about this: Black Adam, Black Panther, uh, Avatar. Aquaman 2 that that's like I mean it's it's so weird it's just so weird and different and anyway that so watching the 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 trailer for that avatar really kind of uh I'm not gonna say it put me in a weird mood but it kind of kind of altered my headspace a little bit I don't know if it like subconsciously prepared me for seeing the the Atlanteans um I, I, I don't know. I, 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 again, I, I just, I just think it's, um, very odd. So, um, anyway, that, that, that was kind of the, the going into it. Let, let me get to what I told the nice lady with the clipboard. Um, because basically the movie happens and, and I will, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about, uh, some specific things on the other side of spoilers, but, um, as as I've said uh, uh, several times already, it one it, it got my attention right off the bat, and it moves at a good clip. It doesn't let up. Um, there there are times that it gets draggy, and and there there are parts that are a little saggy, and I I think with adding so many different uh, plot elements, it it does get a little messy. It does get a little jangly at times. Um, could have benefited from from being tightened up a little bit. In a sense, what what uh, what I'm saying in a roundabout kind of way is that it didn't necessarily need to be two hours and forty one minutes. But conversely, I'm not offended by it by the way that I was being prepared to. Um, it has a lot of things to say, and I think it says those things deftly. Um. The word that I've been using as I've been talking to people is tasteful. Um, I feel that everything regarding the legacy of Chadwick Boseman was handled very tastefully. And I, I was impressed because like I, I was I, I man, I, I was I was prepared for so much. I was prepared for a movie that was completely different than the than the one that we got. I thought we were going to get some uh computer generated shenanigans. And I I hope this isn't a spoiler, but I I am delighted to say that there there is no trickery to bring in a version of a living Chadwick Boseman. 
Uh, so th- there's there's no we're not going to Tarkin Town. We're not we're not trying to like make a computer generated whatever. We're not having like a stunt person with like a computer generated um, uh, uh, Chadwick Boseman digital face on there. We're not doing any of that. Uh, we see him in montage of things that we've already seen in other movies. So they're not even going the Carrie Fisher uh, Rise of Skywalker route with, you know, quote unquote, unused footage that they've since doctored and moved stuff around. It. There, there is nothing left, unfortunately, um, that hasn't been used of Chadwick Boseman's performance as uh, T'Challa the Black Panther. So his loss is felt and 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 it's it, it is. Um, addressed and handled and and dealt with um, appropriately. This is a movie about grief and loss. And a lot of it rests on the shoulders of Letitia Wright as Shuri, the the sister, one of one of the breakouts uh, from the first Black Panther movie. And it's fascinating to see how she was a breakout supporting character and has now been thrust into this lead position. This is very much her movie. And that that dynamic is is um interesting and it's um it, it's an incredible thing to see that it, it it really is a powerhouse performance. Um so what what I what I told the nice lady is I told her that um, that I was very pleasantly surprised and that it respects the legacy um, appropriately and that it it is handled deftly that that um, that Ryan Coogler really thread the needle uh, between all of these different things that is going on in this movie. And and making it work cohesively enough uh, to uh, provide a satisfactory um, um, experience, and really, what what drives the movie is the performances. Everybody is terrific from uh, from the from the marquee players all the way down. Um, I talked about Letitia Wright. Um, Angela Bassett gives a a powerhouse performance. Um, you know, as, as a character that has experienced so much loss, and it's interesting thinking about this royal family of uh, of Wakanda. You know, in Captain America: Civil War, they they lose their king. Um, and you know they 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 lose their kingdom and and, and now they've they've lost um uh T'Challa as well and and it's um it, it's heart-wrenching and but it it's um there there's a a a firmness and a stern vulnerability that you want from an Angela Bassett performance um she's 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 steel like like um uh, like Tina Turner and it's uh it's anyway it's it, it is just a a um amazing performance and 
Um, everybody else is great as well. Um, but for me, the the breakout, of course, is uh, is Winston Duke uh, uh, reprising as Umbaku, um, uh, the man ape from from the the comics, and he he is a thief in the night because he steals every scene he's in. He is just so magnetic and and boisterous and and bold and it's just um and funny he he does provide a bit of um levity and humor and um comic relief i i suppose but we're we're a far away from uh far from home no way home uh spider-man jokey humor there there's no peter parker um uh in 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 this movie well actually that there kind of is um but i'll 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 come back to that in a sec um but yeah no i just uh i so what i told the nice lady is i was like you know the performances are great but man winston duke steals uh the show but then i um i'll come back and 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 say some more about the the cast in a minute but it's like um i i had so much to be uh complimentary about the the uh, the the set design, the costume design. I mean, just the aesthetic of Wakanda. You know, capturing this kind of like Jack Kirby esque uh, Afrofuturism uh, type of vibe. Um, Wakanda is so cool. It is. It, it's just a. It's just a a really well designed, fleshed out world. And but even more than that, it's like these are the best costumes in in superhero movies i mean it's like you know just the 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 dora milaje you know their their uh their whole vibe and aesthetic and um you know it, it it's it's just incredible the um and the score as well the the musical score was uh is done by uh, uh ludwig uh, Gorenson. the i mean this cat's done a whole lot and in, including the first movie i believe but he uh you know he he's been off in star wars land you know he he scores uh, uh mando and and book of boba fett and so um th- this dude creates some some mad moody sounds and um there's there is a sense of dread um in the score and it's like the first time i've noticed in in a marvel movie in a long time where the music score is actually doing a whole lot of the narrative and mood of uh, heavy lifting um in, in a way that you know i i've i've not I, I've not noticed for uh, uh, for a while, um, but yeah, no. So so that that's that's what I told Nice Lady. I was like you know, the the performances. I I was I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, the performances are terrific. the The costume design is amazing. The score is incredible, and what a terrific tribute. Um, I think I may have said amazing or maybe spectacular. I, I don't remember. Uh, but uh, being a um, being a fitting and appropriate and tasteful send off for uh, for Chadwick Boseman. So so that that's that's kind of what 
that's kind of what I um, uh, told nice lady after uh, the nice lady with the clipboard after after watching the movie. Um, I, I, I've since brought up uh, uh, the wiki so I can kind of go through the cast a little more. Um, uh, Lupita Nyong'o uh, returns as uh, uh, Nakia. And um, and and she's terrific. Uh, Denai Guerrero, of course, as um, Okoye, the the head of the Dora Milaje, and and I like that that her character in particular has um, kind of had uh, more prominence. Um, we, we're seeing more of this in the in these Marvel MCU movies where the the side characters, the supporting characters are getting a lot of play and a lot of prominence like um, Wong from from the from the uh, Doctor Strange movies is is a, a fan favorite character at this point. I think Okoye as well. Um, she she has she has some really great uh, fish out of water moments and just just that that simmering badassness um you also have um other members of uh the dora milaje uh martin freeman of course returns as everett k ross and and he's fine um in this um I, I will also say that there are uh cameos and there are surprises um one I was expecting to see, but when it happens, and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about if you've seen the movie already. I I I gasped. I was like, "Oh, that's how we're doing that." Okay, cool. I was I was I was very, um, uh, very excited. But yeah, no, there's there there's there's some um there's some great connective tissue, uh, with the other Marvel movies in terms of like, uh, uh, character appearances. But the thing that I appreciate about this movie, and that's why I kind of scoffed a little bit when I said it's, um, uh, the end of phase four question mark. Um, this movie is delightfully standalone. And I remember talking about Black Panther the first when it first came out. And one of the criticisms of it was that it was so self-contained. You know, people were were uh, I, I think the fever pitch for the the Infinity War was palpable. We knew Thanos was coming. We knew we were getting the Infinity Gauntlet. We knew we were putting the gems together. And um, I think folks just wanted to get there and weren't patient enough to enjoy and appreciate black panther on its own and one of the criticisms i heard and some of the arguments i got into is like well thanos doesn't show up uh there's no infinity stones um which in retrospect well even then was nonsense but but it but it's even more now but um so that criticism could be leveled at wakanda forever also it's like it doesn't it doesn't set up anything outside of its own world and which is actually kind of strangely appropriate given um the nature of the nation of wakanda but um it it it's it makes for a satisfying movie which is the thing that i've been saying for a while i i sometimes uh, get fatigued of how episodic the mcu movies are and so i want them to be more self-contained with like a little bit of connective tissue very similar to phase one um and 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 i think uh 
that the machine, the great grinding machine that is the MCU, I think it doesn't take that kind of time anymore to allow for um, for self-contained stories. Um, but I feel that Wakanda Forever stands on its own. It, it gives you everything you need. You know, I mean, obviously it would have been helpful if you've seen Black Panther and and um, the last pair of Avengers movies. Um, so, yeah, you get fleeting references here and there. But it's I mean, it, it's pretty great that you don't um, that it's not so beholden to the larger story. Um, so as far as like some of the the uh, new characters, you have um, uh, Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams um, uh, slash Ironheart. And um, I don't know how much I can say about Ironheart being included in this movie because um, she's in those trailers. Um, so uh, that's not a spoiler. Um, and I'm sure there's there's action figures um available in fact i know there are so there 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 are ironheart action figures in the armor she does show up in the armor that that's that's not a spoiler but i i was puzzled uh by the inclusion of ironheart i don't know a ton about the story of riri williams um and again this was right about the time i was getting out of comics and so my understanding from from the comics lore, she doesn't necessarily have a tether to the world of Wakanda. Instead, she becomes a protege of Tony Stark. Basically, she's a, um, a brilliant, gifted inner city kid that makes her own Iron Man armor that, you know, she's she's smart enough to to you know build her own iron man armor and and that's kind of uh, to a small extent what what kind of happens here um in the movie as well um i i had mentioned earlier that uh there's no peter parker um and i think i misspoke Ruby williams really kind of is the peter parker um uh, but she she isn't saddled with the the um uh the 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 Tom Holland uh, Mr. Stark Mr. Stark I, uh, oh no Gabagool I just I <laughs> I have tried to do it justice I I, I really want to hook up my my dude Chandler but uh but yeah no it's it's um she she's streetwise she's tough she's headstrong in a way that that this character needs to be but it's weird though and and she makes like movie references as well one that made me pop the hell off um that that i i man i it was one of those things where it's like i laughed so hard people looked at me like why are you having such a big reaction to that but it it just just cracked me the hell up um but again i i don't i do and i don't understand her inclusion here because now since the MCU doesn't have an Iron Man. How are you going to incorporate Iron Heart um, to be a protege protege of a Tony Stark that that is no longer alive? So, so folding her in to the world of Wakanda almost kind of makes sense. 
I'm really trying to dance around the discomfort of a white guy saying, well, is she included in this group of characters because she's black? And I don't know that specifically. Um, but if, if there, if this is the opportunity to include the character where they might not have had the opportunity to be included otherwise, I'm cool with that. I don't really have a whole lot of interest in in Riri Williams or or Ironheart as a character. Like apparently that's going to be a Disney Plus show. Um, sure, I might watch it. I don't know, but like I mean, even in the comics, I I was um, not particularly interested in um, in that character and and. Um, so, but but she's in the movie, and but yeah, it's like, oh no, Mister Stark, I just I don't know what to do. Oh, gabagoo. Okay, there we go. That that's that's better. That that one's for you, Chandler. Um, but but while I'm talking about the cast, I can't not talk about um uh, Namor or Namor as he's referred to in No More uh, as he's referred to in the movie. Um, uh, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a shot. And and I'm I'm gonna mess up the pronunciation, but it's uh Tanak who um Tanakh Hutera, I think. Um and apparently this is this is his first um uh, major role. And this dude is terrific. He um he has the smoldering intensity that you want from Namor because Namor from the comics is is a dude so he you know he he's he's a mutant uh he's the first mutant and because he has ties to both the surface world and the the undersea world he carries a lot of angst and anger and quite frankly dude's a dick Namor is an asshole when when Namor is at his best he he is a prick to everybody and i don't think that that characterization is completely fleshed out or exhibited here but he does enough um as as uh i'm i'm saying that this is for this movie it's a great performance it's a great character it's a great addition i'm excited to see where he goes from here now that he's been established but what i'm also saying is that it's it's not specifically namor from the comics now what one of the the a couple of the things with regards to the atlanteans is that that entire lore has now been completely uprooted and changed around um they're not from Atlantis. They're from um, uh, Tolokan. Talokan? Talokan. Tol- uh, yeah, that, that that doesn't work with my uh, unaccented tongue there. But uh, basically, they're not from Atlantis. They, they've created this new um, uh, city society uh, under the sea uh, for uh, for these these people to inhabit that is meant to be in a way a reflection of Wakanda um kind of like they're two of a kind like 
And and this was something that, that was like from that era of the comics that I don't really know a whole lot about. Like, um, I think as soon as Black Panther 2 was announced, it's like, oh, man, you got to you got to do Wakanda versus Atlantis and you got to bring in Namor. So I, I remember like even like fan art as early as like 2019, you know, folks were for calling for a, uh, a showdown between uh, T'Challa and Namor. Um, obviously that doesn't happen, but like th- this, this version of, uh, of Namor is really cool. And, uh, so they're no longer from Atlantis. They're, they're from, uh, Talokan and the imagery is very, uh, Mayan Aztec, um, kind of like South American type, um, type vibe which I think is really cool and I don't have a problem with that change because it gives an opportunity for like how cool is it that that in the world of Black Panther you you can now have um an entire other uh set of the population uh, uh represented in, in this case um you know south american uh aztec mayan mexican you know the um uh latin peoples uh being uh being represented in a big bad way that they ha- have not been um marvel has been doing really well in, in terms of like representation or, or diversity but i also feel like that sometimes and I, I have to be very careful, um, and and I do get nervous when when I talk about things that are a little out of my depth uh, with uh, with regards to uh, race and representation and diversity. But it feels like, um, you know, it's so you have like Black Panther that becomes a runaway success. It's like, okay, well, who can we represent next? You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, we could we could represent um, the Asian population in in uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and so I I I like that you use a movie that's already um, uh, ethnically diverse and add even more ethnic diversity to it. I I I love this change. Um, to, to be more inclusive and to, cause like Atlantis isn't interesting. And whereas, um, using all of the, the Mayan Aztec, uh, Mesoamerican, uh, Mesopotamian type of type of imagery, you know, in like the art and the costuming and, and architecture and stuff, it, it's, it's visually interesting and really very cool. Um, so in, in this portrayal of Namor, he, he kind of, uh, maintains some of his anti-hero roots and, um, not completely a good guy, not completely a bad guy, um, uh, very much shades of gray. And that, this, uh, reminds me of some of like those, those shades of gray, that T'Challa himself and Black Panther kind of wades into like, you know, in some of those comics runs that I've talked talked about and even in the Hickman runs, T'Challa makes some very morally gray choices and to have some of that moral ambiguity in the in the storytelling of this movie is is really very interesting. And um, 
and, and, and again, um, uh, very cool. Um, uh, the, the one of the criticisms I have of the movie, though, is that it it is a little overstuffed, but it's not a deal breaker. Like like I said, it kind of kind of dips, kind of sags, but at no point was I like I'm bored. I want to go or like, you know, feeling the compulsion to, you know, uh, go to the restroom just to like, you know, because I'm bored um, or to like go buy more candy because I'm I'm fidgety. I, I was not fidgety during this screening at all. It held my attention and I, I was picking up on what it was putting down at, at pretty much every turn. Um, there 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 were um, a couple things that that kind of kind of uh, crinkled my nose a little bit um the movie does kind of fall apart a little bit in the third act but as do a lot of these superhero movies honestly uh, black adam was kind of the same thing um but i would say it it's more of a dip than it falls apart basically what happens is like kind of slips off a, a cliff for me, but then pulls itself back up and ends very strong. And um, I will uh, I will talk about that in in just a moment here so that I can you know make a make a clear distinction um, uh, between uh, uh, spoilers and uh, non-spoilers uh, here in just a moment. Um, I also want to talk about the visual effects briefly. It's obviously a, a, a CGI heavy Marvel movie, but what is happening with these movies to where I swear to God that special effects have gotten worse um, or at least they look worse. I don't know if it's just trying to do too much like, you know, there, there, there was this thing where you know somebody wrote an expose about like overworked special effects companies because of like high demand. But. I what I don't understand is how is it that the market has not caught up to demand? You would think that, you know, there there would be all kinds of like new special effects companies opening for business. And with, you know, so many talented people in the space, how is this stuff coming becoming lackluster? Like it um, there is some decidedly ropey. Uh, visual effects a lot of the cg kind of is is kind of not good um and it's now now this is this is like a real uh, this is a very weird real nitpick um i was watching the movie in imax and i noticed that there were a number of um sequences no uh th- th- there were parts of the frame of the image that were out of focus and and it was really bothering me because you know I, i've talked about like you know my eyes are getting bad and and so i i feel like you know i, I i'm having so, uh, you know much like my hearing i should probably get my eyes checked out and maybe get some readers or or glasses or something but like it the lack of focus was really starting to bother me uh, but then I did a little bit of uh, um, uh, looking into it, and apparently uh, Ryan Coogler was using uh, some uh, uh, specific particular lenses instead of like the usual anamorphic lenses. He was using um, uh, different lenses that kind of give a more 
um, uh, soft, um, kind of like a ethereal uh, uh, type of vibe. So, so there are like in, entire parts of the frame that are just straight up out of focus. Now you'd see that there would be like, you know, uh, the the key players would be in focus, but. Um, you know, as I there, there's a quote from uh, Ryan Coogler. Um, I, I apologize. So he he was um, I I misspoke earlier. Um, with regards to the use of anamorphic lenses as opposed to spherical lenses, Ryan Coogler explained that anamorphic lenses quote warp the image a little bit, which fit with the film having quote the fog of loss over it. A uh, quote profound loss can warp how you look at the world so that that was a specific choice it wasn't just me um with my eyes going bad (laughs) um but yeah it was i had to i had to look into it. it it was it was really distracting um to me um but one of the other things that i don't know i i i probably should have mentioned this earlier in the discussion i just kind of like ran and 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 rambled but um so anyway so so that 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 that's my criticism is that like you know the cg is occasionally ropey and um the third act gets very video gamey um just in terms of like the amount of special effects shots and for a movie that is so intimate at times it uh it it feels kind of silly uh, watching uh, computer-generated armies uh, wail on each other it feel, feels kind of weirdly disingenuous for the type of story that um, that that is being told. But I another weird shower thought I had, and 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 this is a weird one. So so if if anybody wanted to take issues with things I was saying, you can you can come after me for this one because it's it's not it's kind of a half-baked take. I remember at the time when I saw Black Panther, the first one, and I told you at the beginning of this episode that I was very excited for the the casting of Chadwick Boseman, and I thought he he was terrific in the role, and I really enjoyed his performance in Captain America Civil War and everything that Black Panther was about and everything that was going on in that movie. What I didn't necessarily say earlier is that I did feel a little bit of a dip, um, almost disappointment, when I watched Black Panther. Let me explain. It's not because I was disappointed in the movie. I like that movie quite a bit. But the thing that I remember talking about is that the supporting cast is so strong in in um in Black Panther, you know between uh I mean again you get you got uh, Letitia Wright, you got Lupita uh, Nyong'o, uh, Denai Guerrero, Winston Duke for God's sakes, um, Angela Bassett, you know, and so you you have all of these these powerful powerful presences, and Chadwick Boseman kind of gets swallowed up. He he kind of becomes um. A, a passenger in his own movie. He he becomes a side character in his own movie, and I remembered being disappointed that I didn't really feel like I got 
moments of him really shine. Michael B. Jordan, for God's sakes, in in that first movie. I mean, again, you talk you talk about stealing stealing scenes. Sorry, I was just reflecting on like that the the scene at the cave at at the end of the first movie. That well, I mean, what a what a beautiful piece of of performance that interaction between Chadwick Boseman and uh, and Michael B. Um, uh, so good, but um, but all of that kind of overshadows. Chadwick Boseman and he shows up in the Infinity War and it's fine you know get this man a shield you know and he he's got some cool moments and you know he shows up in the the end game um steps out through a portal and nods and um and and yeah it's uh so I I guess I was hoping for a sequel that he got to assert himself in in the role in a maybe in a different way i i don't know i'm i as i said it's it's half it's a half-baked take but my shower thought is that wakanda forever is, is very much of a kind with black panther the first one in that no i'm not gonna say it that way i i was i was going to say because of how strong these performances are and as good as everyone is in that first movie, they're so much better this time around as well. There is a part of me that aches that Chadwick Boseman might have gotten swallowed up again. So in a weird way, this version is more profound that it that it's about his loss and you feel the 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 vacuum of of his um of his presence not being there i'm not going to be inappropriate and say that this is a better movie without him because i do not believe that at all what i am saying though is that this this movie is incredibly powerful for what it is and um and so yeah so that that's um it's it, it, it's tasteful and it's uh, it, it it gives you the feels there's a number of times throughout the movie where it um it yanks at your heartstrings um i didn't find myself affected the the um you know i mean it's no clerks 3 <laughs> but um but yeah there 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 were more than a few times where it's like you go for that um that uh, that 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 maudlin depth of emotion and um again so much is focused on uh Letitia Wright and the and the Shuri character like she she goes through more stuff than I would have ever anticipated and and there and there's so much uh color and depth uh to her character but i realize now that i am kind of uh teetering into uh wanting to um talk about spoilers so i am going to talk about some spoilers very quickly this is going to be a very short um uh spoiler section um but um okay so if you do not want 
to hear my thoughts about the end of Black Panther colon Wakanda forever. Uh, this is your fair and final warning to uh, punch out now because from this point forward, I am going to mention some um, uh, brief spoilerific things because there are some things that that were so effective that that I couldn't not talk about it uh, since I'm recording here because I, I don't know when or if I'm going to uh, come back to uh, this material. So um, here is your your final warning and I'm going to play a sound effect to uh, uh, to break this up. And then uh, from this point forward, uh, we are talking about um, uh, some brief spoilers for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. He's coming. Without the Black Panther, Wakanda will fall. Vibranium is covered in it. That can't be good. Let's go! Now is our time. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, only in theaters, November 11th. Get tickets now. So first things first, and again, I am not going to go through the 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 entire story of the movie because really, in a way, the middle of the movie is the middle of a Marvel movie. But the I I was not expecting the movie to handle uh, the passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman and uh, T'Challa right off the bat because basically that's how the movie starts he uh uh t'challa succumbs to a a mysterious disease and it, it's the beginning of the emotional strife that shuri goes through because she is trying to uh replicate the heart uh heart-shaped herb that that grants the black panther his powers was destroyed by killmonger in the in the first movie and um the, at one point, her her uh, AI uh, computer generated assistant, assistant says, "You should go be with your brother." And I think that's kind of the beginning of that dichotomy. the The emotional um, journey that Shuri goes on is she's um, in conflict between her uh, raw intelligence. And her refined intelligence, you know, she, she's she's a person of science and trying to reconcile that with the aggressive spirituality of the Wakandan culture. So th- that contrast, instead of like trying to shy away from it or gloss over it, kind of like in, in the first movie where it's just like, oh, you know, I'm you know more into technology than spirituality. It's like she is forced to confront that dichotomy and and it. um it makes for uh, some incredible drama, but um, the movie proceeds and spoilers. She takes on the and in a surprise to nobody, by the way, because you, you you see what is most likely a female figure uh, wielding the Black Panther claws in the end of that trailer. And now there is an action figure. Um, of uh, of a very female presenting um, 
uh, Black Panther. So uh, Shuri does assume the mantle of the Black Panther. She successfully synthesizes the heart-shaped herb and um, goes on the spiritual journey. But this this was the scene that I was dreading. I, w- I thought... You know what? You're gonna you're gonna get some computer generated fuckery here with a with a with a Tarkin Town Chadwick Boseman and I I'd I'd have, I'd have left I I'd, I'd have, well I wouldn't have actually left but I would have had a fit. No, instead it's it's not it's not her father, it's not her mother who has now also passed away. I was so surprised that they crossed off Angela Bassett. Um, I wonder if it was just one of those things where it's like, you know what? I don't want to be in these movies anymore. Um, I don't need any more of this Marvel money, but um, uh, greatly missed presence. So it, it's not her father. It's not her mother. It's not her brother brought to brought back to life with, uh, well, in the spiritual world or whatever, with uh, with Disney necromancy. No. Michael B. Jordan returns as Killmonger, and I just, I, it was right there. I don't know why I didn't expect it, but I was still surprised. And the scene that they have is, is just, oh my God. Again, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger is probably one of my very favorite MCU characters. I mean, he's just, he, he has such a magnetic presence that, um, Oh man, just hey, Auntie. You know, it's just it's just so crazy cool. But he has the this terrific dialogue with Shuri, where like she's convinced that this isn't working and it's a nightmare and and all that. But like, it's like, are you going to be noble like your brother, or are you going to take care of business like me? And that adds another level of struggle turmoil angst and dichotomy to what she's already going through with with regards to technology and spirituality and she comes out on the other side carrying a um a a a taste for vengeance um that is a match for namor which i i think is really cool i mean the fight they have is is really really cool um but I, I just I, I love that that comes through in Letitia Wright's performance. She she sells every little bit of it. I believe every single bit of it. And um, but one of the things I, I will say in criticism and and this is this is sexist and me being shitty. And it's it's um, I, I there's there there's no way I could be bashful about it. Um. Letitia Wright is a is a um, slim, slight person. Her her body type is is very slight, um, uh, and, and not being a creep, but not a lot of meat on the bone. And I say that because, like, again, it's not a male gaze thing, but it's like I I have a little bit of difficulty um, believing her as the superhero black panther everything else i totally buy performance wise but when she's in that suit that looks like it it still doesn't quite fit right maybe that's a character choice also but like um all all of the other characters are very um robust and and full-bodied and full-figured um i mean I mean, since since I've already dipped into a creep tangent, um, uh, uh, Lupinta Nyong'o as Nakia in in that uh, Wakanda spy outfit, 
um, you want to talk about filling out a super suit. Um, but I'm just saying, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be gross. I, I'm not, I'm not a creep that way, but it's, it's, it kind of has a problem suspending disbelief when your superhero doesn't quite look right in in a superhero suit especially when she's going toe to toe with Namor and 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 we have to believe that she can go blow to blow with him and it just um the fight works out in that she defeats him with intelligence and and smarts and cleverness i mean again Black Panther is 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 Batman, you know, and has contingency plans and things like that. So I think I think that's that's pretty cool. But um yeah, I just uh and it's only for a couple scenes. Now, one of the other things also is that I I found myself a little uncomfortable with the resolution of the conflict because my interpretation and if you're listening to this, you've seen the movie. So my interpretation is is that uh, yes, Namor does kidnap Shuri to bring her uh, back to Talacan and, and to explain uh, what's going on with his people and why they need to be in an alliance against the surface world. Makes sense. Fine. But war is started when Nakia comes to rescue Shuri and kills that 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 nice lady that was the that was that was that was there. And so, in a sense, Wakanda is is the aggressor, I think. Now, it's one of those things where it's a chicken and the egg. It's like, well, is Namor and Talakan the 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 aggressors because they um uh they they kidnapped Shuri, um possibly is Wakanda the aggressors because they they killed a a citizen in the in the rescue of Shuri, maybe, but when um Shuri now the Black Panther and and her uh armies are all chanting Wakanda forever it didn't feel great like it, it felt like okay so you're the aggressors and now you're celebrating victory um so I mean may, maybe that's a lukewarm take um and maybe I need to explore that further but like it just it, it felt uh, it, it just it, it it didn't quite feel right but what did feel right is um, uh, Namor's resolution, the the resolution of his character. Because even like, I'm glad they put this bit of dialogue in there where it's like, well, hey, man, um, I thought we were, we were going to clean these people's clocks. And Namor's a strategist. He is a smart dude. He's playing the long game. And he's like, no, no, get this. Wakanda has no allies the world is going to turn on them and when they do they will come to us and so you know he's he's you know even though he got a bunch of his people killed and he got his ass kicked things are still going his direction and this sets up you know what what could be some uh um uh, ripe fruit for uh for some some really great stories now again i think the wakanda um atlantis conflict is like a huge thing from the comics but i don't really know anything about it um one of the other things also since we're here in spoilers 
um, the guy I went to the movie with leaned over to me and he was asking about Shuri being the Black Panther and, and he's like is that a thing from the comics and I was like yes and that's a thing from the comics that predates the Black Panther movie I don't know if it predates the MCU um, but um, like I mean she was the star of her own title like Shuri had, had her own title and I think at, at one point I think they were both Black Panther. I don't really know enough about that story, but I I know there's like a Shuri version of uh, Black Panther along with uh, T'Challa, who is still obviously very much alive um, in um, in uh, um, uh, in the comics. Um, so yeah, but anyway, that, that was there was the oh yeah, and Julia Louis Dreyfus uh, um, shows up. Um, again, I guess I guess one of the other through lines we're threading is we're still on uh, on the road to Thunderbolts, whatever. Um, but um, so the movie ends, and um, you just have like this this wonderful scene of like you know, and and one of the one of the things that I liked about. Um, uh this this movie is is the the use of repetition like you see the funeral for chichala then later you see the funeral for ramona and then you see um when um when shuri and ramonda were were in in the uh, in the veld together and she's explaining the the burning of the of the robes as as kind of like signaling the end of the grief and to see that echoed when shuri is on the beach and um it's one of those things where it's like i my my throat was clenching when i saw that she had a backpack and opened it up and had the robes in it and um and it it's just such a quiet and and delicate and powerful scene where she throws the robes on the on the fire and just lets it out and and just uh openly weeps and you can feel i mean she's lost her entire family and and is now the 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 king of the most powerful nation of the of the world and its protector and a superhero and it's like so it's like all of that all of that grief all of that loss all of that all of that angst it all comes out in in those tears and again like the the moment that got me the the moment that made me emotional is not when she threw the robe on the fire but it was like knowing that's what she was doing when she opened up the backpack when she was there on the beach i was like i was like no no and it was and it was it was very satisfying and then the movie just ends and it um and i i if you are if you're playing mike cybert bingo and you're looking for repeated words i've said tasteful so many times um but the um subtlety and nuance of the subdued uh title sequences where it it just comes up in very uh uh simple font you know directed by ryan coogler you know black panther wakanda forever i mean that has a little bit of effect on it but all it is is just showing the burning robe in the fire as as they're bringing up credits and it took me i i didn't i i 
I, I didn't realize that's what it was uh, right away. But then because, I mean, you still have like some dynamic camera movements, but um, the fact that we end on that emotional note and then to go into um, a subdued title sequences like that. So it's not like loud music or anything like that. Oh, you know, and and I, I talked about the score, but I didn't mention the soundtrack. I, I can't um, I can't didn't clock any of the needle drops but like so it's it's a different texture and flavor than than the kendrick lamar soundtrack for black panther the first but um excellent use of music um and and uh, and it sounded like a more uh variety and mix of uh different styles and and different artists throughout but basically like the the Rihanna is just cranking through this through this title sequence and and again it's just it's just fueling that depth of emotional fidelity and, and it's so good and it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like the the end of Top Gun Maverick obviously ends on a completely different note but like the the um, uh, bombastic use of that Lady Gaga song. I felt the same thing here with the with the uh, Rihanna song, but then and and then and then the um, mid credit scene, which is I I don't I don't know I don't know if I would call this a mid credit scene or a post credit scene or any of that um, because basically it just picks up where the titles left off. She's still on the beach. She's still crying. <laughs> um, but you know, ju- just um, uh, the reveal when when um, uh, Nakia comes up and she uh, has her son, obviously, and we we know uh, that he is um, T'Challa, son of King T'Challa, and and what that you know, I I don't care what it means for the future, but it's more important what it means just for legacy. And the thing that's so cool, though is that it's because of the way time has passed in the Marvel universe you can have like a 8 or 9 year old boy and it doesn't feel cheap or forced or whatever because think about this so so we don't know exactly the way time has moved but we know um and, and it's interesting because like um the MCU does have a few mileposts like the Avengers definitively takes place in 2012. So, but like it post Endgame, it's like are we in 2019 and then we go 5 years later so we're in 2024 uh post Endgame everybody that got snapped and and uh was in the blip. My point being is it occurred to me um early on there there there's a a bit of dialogue between uh Nakia and uh Ramonda um and the implication is like you all got blipped except for me so I I I was already like and and it's so weird it's like with regards to predictions I misread the uh it there's a scene in the trailer where there's a a pregnant woman in the water and my dumb ass thought that was Nakia. Turns out it's it's Namor's mother and it's the birth of Namor because, of course, they're in the water. Why why would I think otherwise? I thought it was some elaborate Wakandan ritual. So I, I thought that 
that was going to be part of the movie that that, you know, maybe like earlier in the movie, we would get, uh, you know, the the child of uh, uh, T'Challa and Nakia. Uh, no, turns out that that was totally wrong at all. And then I forgot about it. So it's like it's like, oh, well, Nakia's not not doing that. That that's not a story they're doing. So then I just let the movie happen to me and then it shows up and then they did it anyway. So I I I predicted it and then I let my let the movie trick me out of uh, believing my own prediction. So but like you think about with the time jump. So, you know, she's you know, she's pregnant. She doesn't um, she doesn't get snapped. She isn't in the blip. And then it's shown that there's because who knows how much time has passed between the end of Endgame and the beginning of Wakanda Forever where um, T'Challa passes away. And then there's another time jump one year later. So are we in like, I don't know, 2026 uh, by now, something like that? I, I don't know if it particularly matters, but it's interesting that now the world of the MCU is explicitly in the future. Um, so now every Chiron can say in the near future, but anyway, I, I'm, I'm losing the thread. Um, but like, it was just, I mean, just what a, a wonderful way to cap it off. And, and again, I did, I didn't cry. I didn't roll a tear. Um, I, I, I had my, my throat had, um, loosened up because I got the throat clinchies when when she was going to uh burn the robes and when when Shuri cried but the the other stuff was just more like oh man that's what a what a what a delightfully beautiful tribute um and um so yeah it it, it will be interesting to see what the fate of the MCU is um, because I think the world doesn't still doesn't know about uh, Namor and, and Talakan and, and the Atlanteans. Um, and, and so I think that's going to make for some uh, interesting storylines down the, down the stretch. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes and, and that will wrap things up for this episode. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, listening and for hanging out with me. If you want to listen to my podcast, Mike Seibert Radio, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcast. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. My name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, tell all or one, make good choices. Mike Seibert Radio is recorded in Seattle, Washington. Our original theme song is written and performed by Lucia Fasano. Get her music on all streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, including her groovy new single, Habitable Planets. Check out her Instagram at Lucia underscore Fasano. Our closing theme is A Nice Place to Visit by These Young Fools, used with permission from Michael Geisler. Check out Michael's website, bytormusic.com. Special thanks to Andy Lita for our logos and graphic design. He is at GoGoAndyRobo out on Twitter. Become a Mike Cybertronian and join the MSRP Friends and Fans Facebook group. And you can follow me on social media at Mike Cybert Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And check out my YouTube channel for even more videos and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to be a guest on the show? Send me an email, MikeCybertRadio at gmail.com.
Wakanda forever!